0: It's 2 a.m. Welcome back to the 2 a.m. book review club where we stay up late talking about books or talk about books that made us stay up late. This week, we are continuing our Holiday Book Club miniseries with our second romance and the wackiest book in our Holiday Book Club picks, How the Hitman Stole Christmas by Katie Reus, R-E-U-S. I think that's pronounced Reus, but I, I am aware that I might be wrong. I wanted one of our Holiday Book Club picks to be completely unserious, just very silly, and what is sillier than a romance involving a hitman who loves Christmas and his grouchy neighbor who hates Christmas? Romance as a genre has always leaned into exaggerations, into the absurd. It's not enough to have your love interest simply be rich, They have to be a hot, young, ripped billionaire under 30. It's not enough to have your love interest be Scottish. They have to be a kilted, savage Highlander. And this past year in particular has seen the romance genre push the boundaries of what's possible as far as who and what readers will accept as a love interest. Obviously, we've really had alien romances take off, though those have been around a while, but we've also had beast romances gain popularity as well. See the success of Morning Glory Milking Farm, which I do not recommend looking up unless you are into beast erotica, in which case it is apparently... A well done book though i personally can't attest to that there's also even more fringe stuff including balloon romance and even door romance and yes you did hear that correctly so when you look at the sheer range of what's available in the romance genre maybe a romance involving a hitman isn't exactly shocking but I think it's still a concept that makes you take a step back and say, what? Can you repeat that for me? How do you turn a hitman, an assassin, into a viable love interest? And that's what we're here to figure out today. For this week's holiday book club episode, I'm going to recap for you this truly insane book, How the Hitman Stole Christmas, because I know you're all dying, pun intended, to know what this book is actually about. And we're just going to have a very silly, very fun, hopefully somewhat festive time. Before I get into the recap, I do want to issue a spoiler alert. I am going to be spoiling the entire book. So if this was on your TBR, then definitely go read it first. It's a very fast read. To be honest, though, it's not a very good book. So I do think that it probably is more fun to listen to someone talking about it than it is to actually read it. However, spoiler alert, spoiler warning, if you are interested in reading this book, you have been warned. I also need to issue a content warning. Obviously, there will be murder, multiple murders mentioned in this episode, And I should stress that these are violent murders, though obviously I won't be getting into any gory details, so please do be aware of that. Also, there are brief mentions of sexual assault, so if you're not in the headspace to hear that, even in this very silly context, then I completely understand, because personally I felt it was gratuitous and only included for the shock value. So, spoiler alert! Content warning, and now, let's get into the recap of How the Hitman Stole Christmas. Chapter 1 begins with an epigraph, as each chapter of this book does, and these epigraphs basically function as chapter titles. Chapter 1's epigraph is, Sometimes I pretend to be normal, but it's boring, so I go back to being me. So that's immediately giving us that not-like-the-other-girls energy you will notice throughout the book. Though, honestly, if being like the other girls means I don't have to date a hitman, then I'm personally fine with that. Chapter 1 opens with our female main character, our FMC, Eliana. And she is stalking her hot neighbor, as she has been doing for the past year with both a drone and binoculars, which seems a bit overkill, personally. So, if you're curious about what kind of woman would fall for a hitman, it is a woman who is equally prone to illegal activities. But it's fine that she's stalking him because he encourages her in this behavior, and she calls him weird. She's like, what kind of guy gets off on letting his random neighbor watch him do strip teases. Clearly someone as weird as someone who stalks their neighbor. Anyway, Eliana calls one of her friends and she's like, should I buy Hot Neighbor a Christmas present? And her friend's confused because he's like, hasn't Hot Neighbor not been around for months? And Eliana's like, no, he came back last night. And also she really wants an answer to her question. Weston thinks the whole thing is weird, which makes him the only sensible character in this book, but Eliana gets annoyed and calls her best friend instead Weston's wife, pop star Rebel Martinez. A pop star named Rebel. How clever. Anyway, Rebel is very into the idea of giving Hot Neighbor a gift, and Eliana says that she got him the fancy coffee he likes and those little Scottish biscuits because apparently she does not know the word shortbread eliana then starts expo dumping giving us the backstory on her and her hot neighbor which makes no sense because she is talking to her best friend who knows all of this already but anyway once she's done monologuing eliana thinks about how she wants to bang her hot neighbor with the sculpted jaw and annoyingly adorable dimples but also randomly brings up how she doesn't do relationships because people can't be trusted. You see, it's time to do the romance thing of bringing up the female main character's flaw, the reason she doesn't want to fall in love. Rebel says that he is just as weird as her and she should take her gift over, then she asks if Eliana has RSVP'd to the Christmas Eve party, but Eliana hangs up because she has only two personality traits, trust issues and hating Christmas. Eliana takes her gift over to Hot Neighbors' house where she side-eyes his Christmas decorations. (laughs) here here's the quote he was beyond sexy so she could forgive the whole love of christmas thing he answers the door and we get foreshadowing it should be seriously illegal to look so good he greets her by name which she thinks is weird but then she's like it's fine because he's hot which is his only personality trait loving christmas and being hot we get the first But unfortunately, far from the last mention of his voice being so rumbly, she gives him the gift and he says that he thinks that she did not celebrate Christmas because she does not have decorations up. And I would not be including this completely mundane observation in the recap, except that Eliana is completely thrown off by this very mundane small talk. In her experience, men usually weren't complex, but this guy had her all twisted up. He offers to put up Christmas decorations for her and stares at her mouse with tiger eyes. And again, this is not the last time tiger eyes will be mentioned. She stares back, not with tiger eyes, but then there is a thud. the house. And from this point, stuff happens very quickly, so let's run through it. Eliana hears someone groaning in pain. She rushes into hot neighbor's house. She finds a bloody gagged man crawling across the foyer. Neighbor shuts the door, draws a gun on Eliana, and tosses her handcuffs. Eliana cuffs herself to one of the 90s-era columns And uh, she also seems more annoyed than scared. He could've just ignored her at the door and avoided this whole kidnapping thing. Oh, she was going to kick his ass once she got free. Okay, Hot Neighbor reveals that the gun was actually empty, no bullets, and he's all, I would never pull a loaded weapon on you. He also reveals that he's torturing his prisoner, who hurts kids. Eliana's response, I knew you were a psychopath. And he's like, I mean, your behavior is also a bit strange. She wonders if he's going to kill her. Then she thinks some more about how hot he is, which is very logical. But Hot Neighbor just says, this isn't what it looks like, as though he's a boyfriend who's just cheated on her. Then he leaves the room with the man slung over his shoulder. Eliana, breaks out of her handcuffs because she is a former Marine, runs back to her house, locks herself in, and then decides not to call the police. I have two notes on this chapter. One, I have to say, what an incompetent hitman. Why would you not stash him in the basement or a locked room? Later in the book, he'll be like, oh, I was so excited about answering the door, but He he shouldn't have been doing this in the living room in the first place. Anyway. But two, the lack of knowledge about gun safety in this chapter is insane, particularly given that both of these characters, Eliana and Hot Neighbor, are former military personnel. P.S.A., you treat every gun as if it is loaded. It doesn't matter if you think it's not, you must always treat it as if it is. Similarly, you never ever point a gun at someone unless you are okay with shooting them. Never. The only safe position to hold a gun is upwards, because even firing a blank can hurt or even kill someone. Even when there's no bullet, the laws of physics are still in effect. I know this is a silly book, but it does infuriate me when media depict guns as these essentially harmless things when they are actually incredibly dangerous and require strict safety rules that should never, ever be disregarded. Okay, back to the silliness with chapter 2. Our epigraph for this chapter is, my life is unpredictable, but my bad choices are constant. Hot neighbor has now become murderous neighbor in Eliana's internal narrative, but he appears unruffled by her escape. He even waves and winks at one of her cameras. And Eliana's like, Well, I killed people when I was a Marine, too, but at least she has enough self awareness to know that she is rationalizing away her concerns because he's hot. We get this amazing moment where they are staring at each other from their respective houses and she goes wobbly kneed over his dimples, quote, even though he just tortured a human being to death in his house. He comes over to her house and she answers the door with both a taser and a gun. I'm telling you, everything she does is just the a bit overkill except when it actually matters. He invites her to breakfast and she's all, after he just tortured someone to death? But she notes again that he has a rumbly voice. He mentions that he has a dad for some reason and she's all, you have a dad? And he's all, I wasn't spawned. She then asks if he's going to pretend that he didn't, you know, murder someone. And he says that he only hurts people who hurt others. Nice rationalization there. We finally learn that hot/slash/murderous neighbor's name is Theo, and he says that he is going to take her out to her favorite restaurant for lunch, despite the fact that she has by this point said no to going out with him three times. But we know that she's going to say yes because she tells herself that he's not the remorseless kind of killer. And also because she is thinking about getting sexy with him. Because clearly, she lost it. And I gotta agree with that. Chapter 3's epigraph is... I'm super comfortable with morally gray. And if you're thinking that the chapters are going by quickly, that is also what I thought. But by the end of this book, I was also thinking that they were not going by quickly enough. At this point, we are in Theo's point of view, which did surprise me a bit. And he is talking to his dad. He decides that he is going to decorate Eliana's house. And he has also decided to marry her. His dad is like, so you're marrying the woman who's been stalking you? Personally, I think it's crazier that Theo has decided to marry Eliana after talking to her literally one time. But he refers to her as a tall, gorgeous blonde who hated Christmas. So I guess his decisions are as hormonally motivated as Eliana's. We learn about Theo's background. He'd essentially been raised by wolves. Not literally, of course, but his parents were both hitmen. Both killers. All his friends were hitmen, or most of them, anyway. Their circle was tight-knit, and the chance of finding someone who wanted to be part of his life he thought he'd be alone forever after hanging up with his dad he puts up the christmas decorations on eliana's lawn which upsets her especially the frosty the snowman inflatable but just as he's getting ready for their lunch date he gets a text from his dad and he's all oh hell no plans had just changed chapter four's epigraph is succinct and effective oh shit Eliana goes outside to complain to Theo about the Christmas decorations he's putting up. Again, she does not approve of Frosty the Snowman, and then THIS happens. His voice was suddenly very close, and she felt a thrill go up her spine. Right before, he shoved a cloth over her face, and she inhaled something sweet even as she tried to struggle. That son of a bitch. Yes, you heard that correctly. Hot neighbor slash murderous neighbor slash Theo has kidnapped Eliana. And we're on to chapter five, where the epigraph is, and then there was her. We learn that Theo hasn't just kidnapped her. He has taken her out onto a yacht in the middle of the ocean, Once Eliana regains consciousness, we get the old cliché where he reveals that the reason he kidnapped her is because someone has taken out a hit on her and he only wanted to protect her. Because, you know, he couldn't just tell her that she was in danger and let her make her own decisions about her safety. Anyway, he's having a little trouble telling her this because she is attacked him but she finally calms down and he says that she should start thinking about who would want to kill her and he also starts putting up christmas decorations because he is obsessed with christmas just as much as she hates it see how well they go together eliana has trust issues and hates christmas theo is murdery and loves christmas At this point, Theo randomly says that he doesn't hurt women, which seems to imply that women are never bad slash evil, which is not only untrue, but also kind of infantilizing. I can assure you that some of the most evil things I have read in true crime have been crimes perpetuated by women, and I'm thinking specifically of crimes against children, which Theo allegedly cares so much about. Anyway... Eliana walks off in a huff, and that is the end of the chapter. I do have to point out that it's hilarious how some chapters in this book end with insane things like Theo kidnapping Eliana, but most of the time the chapters just end with Eliana walking off or something else completely random and boring. Okay, chapter six. Chapter six has the epigraph Santa Claus has the right idea. Visit people only once a year eliana is staring out at the ocean plotting to escape then theo comes out to tell her he's made dinner we get this moment where eliana says back up weirdo you can't go around smelling random women and theo's like you're not random And you're the only woman I want to smell. I gotta say, the author has the serial killer vibes down perfectly. Over dinner, they talk about whom I want to kill her, so your normal small talk that you have over dinner. And Eliana fixates some more on his rumbling voice. She also refers to him as an adorable killer. And then we get a game of strip poker. But weirdly enough, this is the tamest strip poker scene imaginable because she just barely gets undressed and then Theo gets concerned that she's chilly and sends her to bed, alone. Which is nice of him, I guess, but it's also kind of funny, not gonna lie. But in case you're disappointed by the lack of steam, Chapter 7 makes up for it. Chapter 7's epigraph is, the best things in life are weird and unpredictable. Eliana wakes up late in the night and sneaks around the yacht, but finds that the driving panel for the yacht is locked. She then sneaks into his bedroom, looking for laptops or weapons or something useful, but Theo wakes up and propositions her? This is not the point where steamy stuff happens, Eliana just goes off in a huff back to her room as she is wont to do. Then she goes back to his room and finds him reading a book, and what actually really upset me is that we never find out what book Theo is reading. I mean, come on, what does a hot hit man who loves Christmas read for fun? We never find out so i choose to believe that he reads super mushy sentimental stuff where nothing bad happens and during the holiday season he probably only reads small town christmas romances there we go that's my head since the author refuses to tell us what theo was reading anyway they have their steamy scene and she's all, oh, she was so gone for this guy, kidnapper slash killer or not. I think at this point you can scratch out the or not part of that sentence. And he's all, is it weird that I like when you're violent? So this is um early 2000s goth fan fiction. We also get a line that implies way more emotional intimacy than is actually textually present. She might be in a position of control now, but the truth was, she was completely unraveled inside. He'd stripped her bare right down to her soul, and she didn't think she'd recover if this man broke her heart. If he lied to her. And I just want to ask, how has he done this? By kidnapping her? I don't know. And then afterwards, he's like, I won't stop you if you want to leave. But fair warning, I will follow you. But Eliana's like, she wasn't going anywhere. Not right now. Maybe never. Talk about insta-love, which feels at least a bit comedic at all times. But it feels especially comedic in a romance novel where the love interest is, you know, a serial killer. Chapter 8's epigraph is... It's amazing how one day someone walks into your life and then the next day you wonder how you lived without them. And I like to refer to this chapter as the trauma dumping chapter because this is where they have the classic heart-to-heart and we learn all about these characters' sad backstories. Eliana asks Theo about how he became a hitman and, um things take a very dark turn. This is where my content warning comes into effect because apparently his sister was sexually assaulted in college and then the perpetrator wanted a shared custody of the baby, which she kept. So Theo killed the guy and his parents set fire To the guy's parents secondary home and also threatened to set fire to their main home with them inside if they contacted Theo's sister again but now everything's great everything's fine his sister is perfectly happy better than ever her daughter is amazing murder has healed everyone's trauma and now they all get to live happily ever after because that that is how that works Theo asks Eliana about her family, and she escapes to the bathroom. He might come from a family of killers, but he spoke about them with love and adoration. She couldn't do the same for hers. But don't worry, we learn about Eliana's sad backstory almost immediately after in Chapter 9, where the epigraph is, My ex wasn't an asshole, he was the whole ass. Very clever wordplay. So I think you can already see where this is going. Eliana comes back and she tells Theo about her estranged family. Apparently, she was very in love with her ex until he hooked up with her stepsister, got her pregnant, and broke up with Eliana over Christmas break to be with her. Even worse, her parents wanted Eliana to be happy for the new couple, so she cut off her family, although she still financially helps out her dad. Theo starts plotting her ex's demise, but then Eliana gets a call from her friends to ask if she's coming to the Christmas Eve party. Eliana says no, Theo grabs her phone and says yes, yes, Eliana gets annoyed and leaves the room, her classic annoyed Eliana move, and Theo discovers that there is a suspicious delivery guy at Eliana's house who definitely is looking for a way to break in. Eliana comes back and is like, don't take my phone and randomly accept Christmas Eve party invites, and he's like, but I'm just trying to protect you. How, how many times can he use this excuse? More times than you would expect. And Eliana falls for it every single time. They immediately get steamy again. And then we get this puzzling bit where Theo's all, you're mine. And then he's immediately like, he wondered if she understood what he meant. Does, does he think she's stupid? Because I'm pretty sure that's an unambiguous statement. Anyway, it continues to go all alpha like he marked her, claimed her, and we end the chapter with this thrillingly original sentiment. Eliana was the woman he never realized he needed in his life and he wasn't letting her go. Hitman or not, I gotta say that Theo is one of the most emotionally stable characters in romance that I have ever come across. In our first chapter, from his point of view, he's like, I'm going to marry her, and that's pretty much his opinion throughout the entire book. Good for him, I guess, even if it is kind of boring as a reader. In chapter 10, where the epigraph is, I found my North Star, they're once again back on the very important question of who might want Eliana Dead. randomly, helpfully, Eliana remembers that there was a guy named James Gillen who interviewed for their company who they rejected because he ignored Eliana during the interview process. They instantly find out a ton of information about this guy, including bank accounts, retirement accounts, a vacation house, and the fact that he cheated on his first wife. Eliana's like, yep, that's our guy. Um, It sure was lucky that the first guy Eliana thought of just happened to be the right guy. But also, the idea that some guy wants to murder Eliana because he failed a job interview at her company is insane. But it is kind of reflective of how companies always think the job they're offering you is such a big deal when in reality you're applying to like a dozen different companies anyway so that's who wants eliana dead some random guy who failed his job interview Chapter 11 gives us an epigraph that I encourage you to use as a caption for the next couple's post you post on your social media. If you're lucky enough to find your weirdo, don't let them go. Very romantic. I hope you are taking notes. They're taking the yacht back to land and Theo's like, I think I'm going to bake some bread or maybe a lemon loaf for the Christmas party. Christmas Eve party, sorry. And Eliana's all, you're a hitman, she sputtered. You can't bake bread. Eliana refers to random interview guy wanting to murder her as random and psychotic, which is exactly what I was thinking. On the drive to Theo's house, Theo's all, we're going to kill that guy. Again, random interview guy. And Eliana's like, shouldn't we put him in jail? Theo reluctantly agrees and he casually notes. And almost everyone on his particular street was a hitman. Something he probably should have told Eliana. Y- y- you think? At Theo's house, he starts making her chicken parmesan, which is nice of him, and we get this gem. He started pulling out all the ingredients. Glad he thawed out chicken before he'd kidnapped his now girlfriend. Soon to be more. Maybe they could just skip the whole fiancé thing and jump right to wife. Wife. Yep, he liked the sound of that. Um, maybe he could also, I don't know, let Eliana know that he's thinking these kinds of thoughts anyway theo's sister and niece show up and immediately bond with eliana as is required in every romance novel and then the sister and niece leave because they are getting in the way of the little plot that we have and theo and eliana go back to discussing gillen where we get this insane plot twist but things have changed Gillen doesn't want you killed. He wants you brought to him. Alive. What? Why? She trailed off for a moment. Wait, to kill me? Himself? And likely worse. There's no way he just wants to kill you. Theo's hands automatically balled into fists, but he took a steadying breath. A man like Gillen was weak. Pathetic. He'd want to hurt her. Torture her. Let me repeat that. Not only does Gillen want to kill Eliana over a failed job interview, he wants to personally torture her. That isn't psychotic, it's certifiable insanity. But anyway, the point is to take down the Hitman, then have Theo pose as the Hitman, delivering Eliana to Gillen. And instead of focusing on how insane this whole situation has become, we are yet again being told about the depth of their feelings for each other rather than, you know, being shown because this had changed from obsession into something more solid, something that felt a lot like forever good for them, I I guess. Chapter 12's epigraph is, he's the plot twist I didn't see coming. It's morning, Eliana has spent the night at Theo's house, and she's doing the romance novel thing where she's like, he's so warm, I don't want to leave. More telling, not showing, for their relationship. Hooray. At this point, everything was bare between them in more ways than one, and she was terrified to accept that they might have a future. She'd been closed off for so long, to the possibility of letting anyone in romantically, that it was comfortable to keep those walls around her. Please keep in mind that they've only known each other for, like, two days at this point. I'm honestly not sure if the actual plot or the insta-love is the most insane part of this book. Oh, and we get the phrase, his dark scent, which makes no sense as far as I can tell. Theo is like, what do you want for Christmas? And Eliana's like, why are you being so pushy about this dumb holiday when we've got more important things to worry about? Like, you know, dating a hitman to come after her and I mean Eliana has got a point right but then Eliana says this he was just supposed to be this hot neighbor she appreciated from afar but now everything was so different than she ever could have imagined this thing between her and Theo was very real and I'm reminded that she is not that smart Theo goes to shower Eliana goes downstairs to the kitchen and we get this cliffhanger But when she got there, she realized they weren't alone in the house. Chapter 13's epigraph is Order Doesn't Equal Justice. If you were hoping for something to actually happen, I'm sorry to inform you that the intruder is just Theo's mom. So that's anticlimactic. She and Eliana banter about explosives, which is quirky. And then we get the cringiest kind of romance novel mother dialogue. But clearly you have good taste in men because you're at my son's house. So what is going on between you two? Theo's mom invites Eliana over for Christmas dinner and Boxing Day, of course. And I have to add, where is the of course in that? This is Miami, not the UK. Then his mom leaves, and because it's clearly not bad enough that Gillen wants to torture Eliana to death, the narrative once again assures us that this guy is just the scum of the earth, which, you know, justifies um, what they're about to do. And this guy has a reputation for cheating on all the women he's been with, for getting good employees fired from various establishments. He even fired the woman who'd been cleaning his house for decades with no warning, cutting off her health insurance right when she'd been primed to retire. He's just a big pile of garbage. And it's like, we get it. Okay, calm down. They argue about where to off the hitman and Theo gets the only moment in the book where I feel like he's truly likable. He didn't want to kill someone where she felt safe, didn't want to contaminate her domain, but Eliana insists it will be easier to do at her house and she wins the argument. And then we end the chapter with kind of a pathetic attempt at infusing some tension into this very non-tense story. Oh, they'd be going after that bastard, all right. Gillen wasn't going to see this Christmas. In a similar vein, Chapter 14's epigraph is Actions Meet Consequences. Eliana's at her house, waiting for Gillen's hitman to show up. Eliana had left her security system off and hoped the guy wouldn't think it was strange. It was the middle of the day, and most of her neighbors were home because of the holidays. So who would be expecting a robbery now? Or more specifically... A kidnapping for a deranged client with a stupidly fragile ego. You can say that last part again. Anyway, Eliana doesn't have to wait long because the hitman breaks in almost immediately. She jolted slightly when a man dressed in a generic delivery uniform with a balaclava over his face stepped inside. Weapon out. The mask gave him an extra sense of menace then we get to one of my least favorite action story cliches because instead of just offing him eliana's all but i want to talk to him first i want to negotiate i guess her logic is that if her hot neighbor hitman is secretly a good person then maybe this guy will be too so she offers to pay him more than his current client is paying him to drop the assignment and walk away, but he doesn't just refuse her, he also goes all cartoon villain on her. You're the hottest piece of ass I've seen in a long time. I'm going to enjoy you before I turn you over, because he was very clear that I could damage the merchandise as long as I didn't kill you. Obviously, Theo is in a closet, um, and when this guy finishes his little speech, Theo bursts out of the closet and kills him, and then Theo's parents arrive to act as backup. By the way, it's hilarious how, from Theo's point of view, he's all, I'm going to marry her, and Eliana's, like, her normally relaxed neighbor boyfriend? Question mark Looked as if a light breeze would push him over the edge. Also, I just have to point it out, but talk about mixing your metaphors. Anyway, the hitman is dead, and Eliana's like, what the heck was her life now? Someone was dead in her office. Two professional cleaners were on their way to clean up said dead body, and she was pretty sure she was in love with a hitman. And again, the plot is crazy, but there's never any tension. For chapter 15, the epigraph is morally gray is my favorite color and again this is a filler chapter nothing happens The dead hitman had a burner phone on him with only one phone number, presumably Gillen's phone number, and Theo sends a fake photo of Eliana tied up to Gillen's phone number. He gets an address and a meeting time in response, and because nothing is really going on in this chapter, Eliana has some alone time with Theo's parents, and Theo's mom is all, I'm partial to spring weddings. Eliana freaks out because she's worried that if things don't work out between her and Theo, Theo's mother might murder her. So much for um only killing people who deserve it. She calls this, and I quote, a very real possibility. This is honestly the most insane part of the book. But it just gets dropped out of nowhere and never brought up again because obviously things do work out between Theo and Eliana, so that's fine, I guess. Anyway, they're finally on their way to the meeting place, a warehouse, and their plan is what Eliana wanted. They're not going to murder Gillen, they're going to land him in jail. And the chapter ends with Eliana hoping that things will go according to plan. Like I said, a filler chapter. For chapter 16, we get the most amazing (laughs) epigraph yet. Karma is the universe's way of saying fuck around and find out. They get to the warehouse, Gillen arrives, and Theo, who is wearing a wire, stalls long enough to get Gillen to admit his plan. But then, instead of turning Gillen over to the police as agreed, Theo goes ahead and kills him because everything was too messy to involve law enforcement. So he lied to Eliana about killing Gillen because he didn't want to have to talk to her about it. Really amazing communication skills here. Really augurs for an amazing relationship. Oh, I'm sorry, marriage. Eliana's shocked by this betrayal and leaves, but then Theo's parents arrive to get rid of the body and we get a last minute plot twist yet again. The contract to kill Eliana has opened back up, so now she is once again in danger and Theo has to save her. Can I just point out how CONTRIVED this is? Very clearly, the author didn't want to come up with an actual emotional climax in the last couple of chapters, so she just threw in another external threat. But I guess you don't read a book like How the Hitman Stole Christmas for the amazing writing, so let's move on. As Theo says, he'd burn down the entire world for her, so let's see him do that. Chapter 17's epigraph is If my life were a movie, my bad decisions would be the twist ending. The only epigraph to get a reaction out of me. I smiled, so two thumbs up for that. Eliana arrives home fuming about Theo's betrayal. She couldn't talk to Theo, didn't want to look into his handsome face to experience that betrayal all over again. But the new hitman has already invaded her house. That was an insane response time, and we get a chase sequence involving bookshelves, inflatable penguins, an inflatable snowman, and of course, a bomb that destroys most of Eliana's house. Just in the nick of time, Theo and his parents show up, Theo kills the guy, and Eliana forgives him, even though she was literally just upset with him. So instead of having, I don't know, some kind of emotional resolution after their big argument, the chapter instead ends with Eliana freaking out because the neighbors have called the police and she's worried about what this will mean for Theo and his family. Chapter 18's epigraph is, sometimes the family you find is better than the one you were born into. I think this concept is well known enough that you could have just put found family as the epigraph, but it's fine. They arrive at Eliana's friend's house for the Christmas Eve party and Eliana has completely forgiven Theo. She'd tried to hold on to her anger about his lie, but then had wondered what the hell was wrong with her. This man had killed to keep her safe more than once. Theo wasn't her lying ex. No, he was this unexpected man who went out of his way to make her smile, to keep her safe. And there was no guarantee that Gillen could have been stopped by prison. He could have hired someone again. From prison? Could have kept trying until he succeeded. She just wanted him stripped of everything. But she understood why Theo had made the choice to kill him. To keep her safe. So once again, Theo... I mean, Eliana, (laughs) is just getting steamrolled by Theo. Once again, she's like, well, I was just a silly little woman, and actually, Theo always knows what's best for me, so it doesn't matter if he completely disregards everything I say. one of the most annoying things about this book is how weak Eliana is, how little her opinions or desires matter to Theo, and that's a large part of why I find this romance to be so shallow and lacking. Anyway, Eliana's freaking out about the legal system, finding out about, uh, Theo's hitman career, but then Theo gets a very convenient phone call from the state attorney, On Christmas Eve, after five o'clock, that actually they are grateful to Theo for killing the hitman because he was responsible for a cold case from years ago. So everything has turned out great. There goes that tension as well. The path is smooth to our happy ever after. Hooray or not hooray, because frankly, I don't care about either of these characters They say, I love you, and then they go party with Eliana's friends. Eliana tells her best friend, Popstar Rebel, that she is temporarily living with Theo, you know, since her her house blew up, and her best friend does the romance book best friend thing. I have a feeling you'll be staying there forever. And then Eliana has this moment at the party where she's like, OMG, this is my found family. End of chapter last chapter, chapter 19, with the very simple epigraph of Merry Christmas. Theo wakes Eliana up on Christmas morning and Eliana discovers that there is an engagement ring on her finger because, in Theo's words, you're going to marry me, so I figured, what's the point in asking? Like I said, what Eliana wants or thinks doesn't matter. Eliana appears confused, as she should, so Theo makes a little speech. We've dealt with more than most people do their whole relationships. I know how you react under pressure, and it's hot as hell. And I've seen how you are with people when no one is around. You're it for me, Eliana. I've never lived according to anyone else's rules, and I don't plan on starting now. So I don't see the point in waiting when I love you, when you're the most amazing woman I've ever met. I'd be insane not to want to marry you. Eliana agrees to marry him, so good for them, I guess. They go to Theo's parents' house for Christmas, and Eliana has invited Rebel over to wow Theo's niece. And it's honestly cringy how immature Eliana is over the little girl's excitement. So am I the coolest relative, or what? Eliana demanded. Because yes, she needed it validated. The others needed to know she was in first place and would never be dethroned. I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion, but family isn't a competition. Clearly, this understanding the true meaning of family character arc is not quite complete. But Theo and Eliana wish each other Merry Christmas, and that's the end of the book. So that's that. She's never going to learn that lesson. And that is how how the Hitman's Still Christmas ends. Overall, I feel like the premise is fine as an out-there romance, but I just don't feel like the execution was very well done. The characters were cringy and shallow. The relationship was incredibly fake and almost purely attraction-based. And the plot for all its twists had no tension and no excitement because the characters were never in any real danger. You always knew they were going to get bailed out almost immediately. I will note that my judgment of the plot is coming from my experience as a mystery thriller reader. As far as romantic suspense goes, I guess the tension is about as good as you're going to get, which is why I don't read romantic suspense anymore. I've read way too many romantic suspense books, suspense, can I say suspense? Suspense books, where the characters are on the run and inexplicably just stop to do romance things. Like, have you forgotten that your lives are literally in danger if you don't keep running? Also, I didn't get to this during the plot recap because I knew I wanted to give it the space it needed, so I'm going to just briefly touch on it now. And of course, what I wanted to talk about was the morality of this book, and specifically Theo's moral values or lack thereof. Obviously, in ethics and morality, there are no right answers. You can be someone who judges situations entirely on their outcomes, in which case maybe you agree with Theo, But personally, I'm more in the camp of judging actions as actions and not judging actions by their outcomes because outcomes are unpredictable and often we can't control or understand what the ramifications will be until after the fact. Now, maybe not everyone agrees with this, but I really struggle with this idea that you can ever justify torture and vigilante justice. Every legal system has its issues, and the American justice system in particular has more issues than some, but there's a reason that everyone is entitled to due process, why police brutality is a bad thing, why people... Aren't just allowed to shoot criminals on sight once we start arguing that it's okay to enact our own justice when the legal system doesn't do the right thing we fall into a very slippery slope of talking about who can carry out that vigilante justice and why and no you can't just be like oh he's hot so i'm gonna let him carry out vigilante justice but also I'm of the opinion that torture can never be justified, whether you think the person deserves it or not. Also, also, anyone who's capable of torturing and killing people as a career has serious issues and really isn't the kind of person you would want to be in a relationship with. So, that is How the Hitman Stole Christmas. I do feel the need to point out that there was another book by the same name published in 2020, and I just want to read you the description because I think it's hilarious. I didn't plan to kidnap her. I was just doing a good deed. I saw a car stranded on the side of the road in the middle of a snowstorm and decided to help. Didn't expect to get anything out of it. Even criminals can do nice things every once in a while. When I approached the driver, my motives were as pure as the snowflakes, clinging to the silky strands of her long, dark hair. Her tire had popped, and she didn't know how to change it. Clearly, the damsel was in distress. Unfortunately for her, I'm no white knight. Now, I'm a decisive man. Once I make a decision, It's pretty much a done deal, and it didn't take long for me to decide that Autumn was coming home with me for the holidays, whether she wanted to or not. I was prepared for stealing Autumn to change my plans, but I wasn't prepared for her to be such a quick study. I may be the one who stole a girlfriend for Christmas, but if I'm not careful, this pretty little snowflake just might steal my heart. Imagine I had chosen that book instead to be part of our holiday book club. Now that would have been a truly crazy experience. Anyway, so that is going to be everything for this week's episode. I hope you had fun with this very silly, stupid book. And I'm excited to continue our holiday book club mini series. This has been the 2AM Book Review Club. Thanks so much for joining me and I'll be back next week at 2 a.m. Until then, have a great week and happy book travels.